Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that we're together. And whether you're catching this message on Sunday morning or somewhere during the week, it's time for a comeback. That's what I'm excited about. It's a new series called Comeback, It's Time. Now, the definition of comeback is something that I think is very meaningful. There's three parts to it. Comeback means to return to life, to regain a favorable position, or to recover from a deficit. I've had a busy week, what about you? And I almost feel like I needed a comeback as I was coming into the weekend to return to life and have vitality and to really feel like I was in the presence of God, that favorable position, and then to recover from a deficit of being tired. I needed a little bit of a comeback, and it's happening right now as I'm sharing with you. Now, I don't know what you think about in your life or maybe in the life of someone else, but what comes to mind when you think about a great comeback story? One of the ones that I was thinking about was Steve Jobs. Now, I'm assuming you may know who he is. He was the man in 1985 to help launch a little company called Apple. Isn't that exciting? And as he was watching the company grow, he became very difficult to work with. And ultimately, the board at Apple cut him loose. They dismissed him. And get this, the day they did it, Apple shares soared 7%. Would you, would you want that kind of confirmation you needed to leave? He decided to create a company called Next. And it was a company focused on building high-end computers in an academic or educational setting. The computers would cost, now remember, this is in the 80s. They would cost two to $3,000 a piece. The printer alone was $2,000. They expected to sell 10,000 computers per month, and they only sold 400. Next was a huge flop for Steve Jobs. But if you're an Apple geek, maybe you've heard of a operating platform called OSX. He created that during his time at Next. And then Apple decided to buy them up for a mere $400 million. Steve Jobs stepped into a temporary CEO role, but then they hired him back full-time, and the rest, of course, is history. Now, by the way, just a little side note, while he was doing his own thing there for a while, he invested in a worthless company at the time called Pixar. They were doing a, a story called Tin Toy. It became Toy Story. And then, all of a sudden, 
uh, his worth at Pixar, his investment became $1.2 billion. Now here's what really grabs me. Steve Jobs once spoke about what drove him as, as an entrepreneur after visiting a class of students full of Apple computers. I've got it on the screen. Let's read this. He said, I saw these third and fourth graders growing up completely different than I grew up because of this machine. That's an incredible feeling, to know that you had something to do with it and to know that it can be done, to know that you can plant something in the world and it grow and change the world ever so slightly. Can we do a quick survey even at home? Any of you own an Apple phone, uh, an iPad? What about an uh, Apple Watch, an Apple Fire Stick, Apple TV? Hey, listen, a lot of us have seen the world change through Apple products. And Steve Jobs, one of the greatest setback stories that became an incredible comeback. We all need them. Every one of us need a comeback story. So here's what really uh, I'm passionate about. In this new series, we're walking alongside Jesus' disciples as they begin to grow something that's touched all of us for over 2,000 years. It's a thing called the church. In fact, if it wasn't for the early stories and faith of the disciples in Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be standing here today. And think about this. The incredible foundation of the comeback stories we find in Acts are all tied to the greatest comeback story in history. Jesus' death to life. Death on a cross, and he came back to life from the grave. So what we're going to do today is tackle a story in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 17, and we're going to understand three decisions we all need to make if we want a successful comeback far greater than Steve Jobs, far greater than any historical comeback. If you need a comeback in your life that's going to transform you from the inside out, this story contains the three decisions we need to make. Let's jump in. Acts 5, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. 
On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Here's our first decision. We must authentically believe that our comeback is found only in Jesus. Now, I realize that we've all had comeback stories, and I understand that we need those kind of stories in our lives, but I want to talk about a story that truly is life-changing, not only in the book of Acts, but for all of us. And, and the setting is really incredible. If we look at earlier verses as the early church was being formed, thousands of people were flocking to hear the life-changing message about Jesus, and they wanted to experience the miracles that God was demonstrating. Think about this. The miracles were so incredible that when Peter the apostle would walk, people could stand in his shadow and be healed by God. Well, it doesn't take long before people hear about that kind of incredible, miraculous moment that's happening throughout the city. The Sadducees were the ruling party at the time. Sadducees, Pharisees, Zealots made up the Sanhedrin where the elders of Israel would decide on uh, religious law. Ultimately, the Jewish high priest and his associates not only heard about what was going on with the disciples, but they became jealous. Literally, they raged with indignation because of the apostles' popularity. And out of anger, they went and found them teaching and had them arrested and thrown in jail. This is where it gets exciting. During the night, God sent a manifestation of himself. We know it as the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord opened the jail doors and released them, brought the apostles out into the cool of the night, and then gave this directive. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. What new life? What are we talking about? What did the angel, what was that angel saying to them? The phrase in the Greek is so rich. Here's what it means. New life is the fullness of life that is only by God's grace to give through Jesus Christ. Listen, here's our first decision. We must authentically believe our comeback is found only in Jesus. It's the greatest comeback story ever. It's better than anything you can read in any history book. It's true. It's real. In fact, can I read this from 1 Corinthians chapter 15? In verses 1 through 8, the apostle Paul says, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you have believed in vain. 
For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now listen to this, church. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more, are you ready? He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul writes, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. I don't know how many more eyewitnesses do we need. Cephas, who is Peter, James, the other apostles, and then 500 simultaneously, Jesus appeared after, after he died on a cross and then rose again. There's not that much testimony or witness today about anything that people agree upon. And today, now, more than ever, if we authentically believe in Jesus Christ, we can have a comeback of epic proportions. I read this last week. I've been reading it again this week. I have to share it. Pastor Tim Keller, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. The very next morning, the disciples were out in the same place preaching and teaching about this fullness of life that can come only through Jesus Christ. And when the captain of the guard went to get them, they didn't resist. Why didn't they just run away? They had been in jail. They could have escaped. It's because they believed in someone greater than themselves. The choice is ours. Decision number one, authentically believe our comeback is found only in Jesus. Here's the next decision. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Here's our second decision. We must be willing to totally embrace our comeback and that it's only found in Jesus. Are you ready? Let's just do it again. Totally embrace our comeback because it's found only in Jesus. Here's the mistake the Sanhedrin leaders made. 
they gave Peter and the apostles the opportunity to speak. <laughs> they arrested them, and they brought them in. They gave them the opportunity to share. It's crazy, isn't it? In fact, I, I couldn't help but think about the time that the circuit-riding Methodist preacher named Peter Cartwright, who was known for his uncompromising style, one Monday evening was at a, leading a revival in Nashville, Tennessee, actually my hometown growing up. And in that day, believe it or not, President Andrew Jackson came to hear Cartwright preach. All the seats were full, and this famous Indian fighter stood leaning tall against a post in the back of the church. The host pastor, Brother Mac, was nervous. He tugged on Cartwright's jacket. He leaned over and whispered, General Jackson has come in. General Jackson is here. Cartwright could hear the nervous anxiousness in Brother Mac's voice. He was horrified at his attitude. So here's what Peter Cartwright did. He stood and began preaching that evening, and he started out saying, I understand Andrew Jackson is here. Somebody asked me to guard my remarks. Well, Andrew Jackson, I want you to know you'll go to hell if you don't repent. People were shocked. They were talking about Cartwright. President Jackson got a hold of him at the end of the meeting, leaned in and said, Cartwright, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the world. Listen, listen, what an incredible story. The disciples were arrested. The disciples could have run away and escaped, but they were brought in, and Peter became the spokesperson. He said, God who raised Jesus from the dead and performed the greatest comeback in history, we are witnesses of the truth. And then he said, it was you Jewish leaders that arrested him, and then he tagged them with this. Now, now we know this is a blessing, but not to the Jewish leaders, because in Deuteronomy it said, any Jewish person that was hung on a cross was cursed by God. Oh, God took the curse and made it into a blessing. But Peter laid the responsibility on the Sanhedrin. He said, not only did Jesus come back from death to life, but he said, anyone, then or now, anyone who needs a comeback in their life must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the second decision. Totally embrace our comeback and understand that it is found only in Jesus Christ. You know, it takes courage to be all in, doesn't it? It wasn't long ago that my wife Kay and I were called to go to a little country off the coast of India called Sri Lanka. I think about this story, I've told this story, and in all honesty, I did not want to go. I looked at Kay and I said, We'll pray about it, but I'm pretty sure the answer's no. What kind of prayer is that? 
We began to pray, and then all of a sudden, people began praying for us. The mission team was praying for us, and people began to say, you know, pastor, we think you should go share in Sri Lanka. We think that you should make the trip to be able to pour into other pastors in that country. And the more that the more that people prayed and the more that I prayed, the more anxious I became, the more uncomfortable that I became. And you know why? Because you've got to have the courage to be all in if you're going to put your faith and your trust in God. Right now, I don't know what's going on in your life. I, I don't know what you're trying to understand that God is saying to you. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as, but maybe as hard as you're trying to diet and lose weight. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship. Maybe you are uh, trying to get a job and somebody's getting ahead of you. And, and you want to do, come on now, listen. You want to do what feels right. Can anybody understand this? I mean, I want to do what I feel. I want to do what I want to do. And God says, You've got to obey me. In fact, I love this. The word to obey that Peter uses means to submit to a superior authority. Who's the superior authority in your life? Is it you? Is it your friends? Is it your family? Is it Facebook? Is it, is it Twitter? Is it Instagram? Who is your supreme authority? We all submit to something or someone. Who is it? I want you to have a comeback. God wants you to have a comeback. In fact, did you know this? God wants you to have a comeback even more than you want it. But sometimes we've got to come back from fear. Sometimes we have to come back from people's opinions. Sometimes we have to come back from failure. Sometimes we have to come back from the depths of despair. And God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? But here is the key. We have to totally embrace that our comeback is found only in Jesus. We have to obey God. And that's why this third decision is crucial. Can you hang in there for just a minute or two while I read quite a bit of scripture, but it's important. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed. It all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed. And all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is one of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus 
and let them go. But listen to this incredible ending. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Here's our third decision. We must joyfully declare our comeback is found only in Jesus. We must joyfully declare that our comeback is found in Jesus and only Jesus, no matter what our circumstances. Now, I realize I just got done reading quite a bit of scripture, nine verses, actually. But Luke, our author, makes a life-changing point. God intervened, and the disciples of Jesus passed the test of faithfulness, but there's actually something more. God's power was not only evident then, and they had momentum in the early church. It was growing. But God also sent us a message for the church today to wrap their minds around. And what better time to do it than during this pandemic season? Listen to this. The Sanhedrin was ready to stone and kill the disciples. But a Pharisaic leader of exceptional importance named Gamaliel challenged the decision of his fellow members. He rose to his feet and he said, listen, Thaddeus fell. He, he had gained followers in the number of 400, but the revolt came to nothing. Judas, the Galilean, different than Judas who had betrayed Jesus, but Judas the Galilean had also tried to revolt, and the Romans had put that revolt down as well. I really believe that God was moving in their midst, don't you? Gamaliel said, don't be hasty. If God is in this, these men will prevail. Now listen, here's the message for us today. 2,000 years later, is the church still here? If you needed any other evidence, then look at it right here. There is no way this story could have been written over 2,000 years ago and then we're living it out if God wasn't real and Jesus Christ had not had the greatest comeback in history from death to life. And I love this. As they talked together, they decided, don't think Gamaliel was the hero of the story. He said, let's go ahead and flog them. Well, that's no fun. Jewish history, it was called 40 lashes, but it was 39 minus 1. Can you imagine? Lashes of 39. Maybe they were a little lenient, I don't know. Maybe it was only 20 lashes, but think about this. We're told that when the disciples left, they left rejoicing because of the name of Jesus and being able to suffer the humiliation in front of everyone for believing in Christ. Now that is a comeback. They came back from jail. They came back from arrest. They came back from flogging and persecution and joyfully they celebrated. Listen, here's our struggle today. We complain too much. 
We struggle too much. We're, we're too overwhelmed by too many things because we are distracted by the things around us. We need to get our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. I haven't been flogged, have you? I haven't been persecuted lately. We have brothers and sisters throughout the world in Christ who are. We need to pray for them. But I know standing here right now today, a pandemic hasn't done me in. Struggles with, with uh, health or, or, or age hasn't done any of us in. Where we are right now is this. We have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, the minute that you decide to be transparent about an addiction, the minute that you decide to be transparent and own up to sin or struggles that you've been in, the minute that you decide to be honest with yourself and with others and let God give you the beginning of a comeback, Satan will have someone around the corner to berate you, bully you, and put you down. Stop looking for people on Facebook to lift you up. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You know why? He's had the greatest comeback that the world has ever seen from death to life. And get this, he's still living right now today. And he doesn't want to just live here and be alive at the right hand of the Father. He wants to live in our hearts and in our lives. And what a tragedy it would be if we put all of our faith in Jesus Christ and we refuse to share the gospel message. I know, I know in the world today, even in the United States, people want to tell you that if you believe in Christ, that you don't have your act together. You're excluding people. Listen to this, I want you to hear it. Jesus can't and he refuses to transform people simply because he accepts everyone the way that we are or the way that we want to be. We need to be like Jesus. We need to put our faith and our trust in Christ. If you need a comeback in your life, I want you to listen to this incredible story. His name was Calvin Hunt. He had found a beautiful woman to marry. She had been in an abusive relationship, but they found each other, got married, and had two beautiful children. It was it was really a storybook tale. But then Calvin got distracted. He began drinking, snorting cocaine, and partying on the weekends and throwing all of their money away. He ultimately deserted his family so very often. But Miriam, during that time, had put her faith in Jesus Christ. And she began to pray for Calvin's comeback. But it got worse before it got better. She had asked him to go see a film at a church called Christ Tabernacle, the film A Cry for Freedom. At first he refused to go, but then he went. And then he thought to himself, I don't need this Jesus. I, I don't need this God. And the harder that he ran, the more difficult his life became. Can you imagine this? He even began to sleep in the family doghouse, literally. And one night when his wife and his children had gone to prayer meeting at Christ's tabernacle. He snuck into the house to get a shower, change his clothes. And as he was doing it, he began to hear 
a whimpering sound. He began to hear the cries of people in the room. He went room to room, wouldn't you? He's opening closet doors. He's looking. Didn't matter where he went. He could hear people. It, it, there was a sobbing. And then he heard people saying his name. He was going to go to sleep, but a voice spoke into his head. If you go to sleep tonight, Calvin, you'll never get up in the morning. And he panicked. He ran to the train station. He went to the church to find his wife and his children. He burst into the prayer meeting. And when he did, do you know what he heard? The same sobbing and the same crying he had heard in his home was the sobbing and the crying and the people calling out to God his name, Calvin Hunt. God had taken that prayer service like a megaphone and shot it into his home and brought it into his life. He ran to the front of the stage and he spoke with the pastor and he committed his life to Christ and God set him free. And he became a phenomenal gospel singer. In fact, do you know how I know the story is true? Long before I became the pastor here, Calvin Hunt came and shared his story and sang his songs to God because it was a comeback that was available to him and it's available to everyone else who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The greatest comeback story ever is the story of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life. Do you need a comeback? Are you ready for a comeback in your life? Now's the time. In the midst of the struggles we're all having, in the midst of all the negative conversations about pandemics and, and people being sick, in the struggles that we have to really want to get out of our house and go do the things we need to do, or we go all places that we need, that we want to go, but we struggle to come into the presence of God. Now is the time for a comeback, and here's what I would be honored to do with you today. Would you bow your heads? If you need a comeback, I want you to just raise your hand to Jesus right now. You're in your home, maybe you're in your car, just raise your hand. If you need a comeback, just raise your hand to Jesus right now. Say, I'm really tired of all this that I've been through. And, and, and as you're doing this right now, just say to Jesus. Just say it to him. I don't want to live my life the way I've been living it. I believe that the greatest comeback in history has been you, Jesus, when you came back from death to life. Just tell him that right now. And I want to pray. Jesus, we need a comeback. We need to move from where we are to where you are. All of us struggle. There isn't one person that doesn't struggle and have difficulties and problems. But what we need to do is put our faith in you, Jesus, because you're the only one in history that has died on a cross, been placed in a tomb, rose from the dead, and is alive right now at, in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, I'm praying this. I'm praying this like never before. For anyone that's raising their hands, I know you see them. Save them. Transform them from the inside out. And begin to give them a comeback like never before. And Father, for all of us in your presence right now, forgive us for our sins. 
Maybe there's someone that knows you as Savior but has fallen away. Perhaps there's someone like Calvin Hunt that's gotten so deep into the darkness they think no one can save them. People are praying right now for them, Father. Save us. Transform us. Set us free from ourselves. And Father, help us to truly decide to authentically believe and totally embrace and joyfully declare that our comeback is found only in Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. I love you so much. This is such an important request. If you have given your heart and life to Christ, if you've rededicated your life, if you raised your hand, will you just simply private message us or will you simply put it in the box? Just say, hey, it's, it's Drew, Bob, Sue, Sarah, whoever it is. Just say, I raised my hand. We want to pray for you. And if you need us, then we're right here. We're right here. We love you so much. Isn't this going to be an incredible, an incredible series? Because it's time for a comeback. I love you. And until I see you again soon, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.